Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Forktails a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by my friend Chef Kenny Gilbert of Silky's Chicken Champagne Bar and Chef Kenny Brands. Uh, Kenny, why don't you give everyone a little bit of backstory and say hello? Oh, thanks for having me. Um, gosh, I've been in the business for the better part of 30 plus years uh, professionally. Um, I've run everything from fine dining uh, restaurants to luxury brand, you know, five and five star hotels. Um, you know, I've been a corporate chef for restaurant group, um, worked in the Caribbean. Um, done a little bit of everything. Um, I currently have uh, a restaurant in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, it's called Silky's Chicken and Champagne Bar. Uh, we're located in historic Springfield area of Jacksonville. Uh, we've been open exactly a year. Uh, we're focused on biscuits and fried chicken and champagne and all in between. Um, cool little fast casual, kind of an upscale fast casual concept, counter service, where best, basically guests can walk in. We don't take reservations. You just walk in, place an order uh, with the cashier. We give you a number. You you know, you get your drink immediately and then sit down and we deliver your food and we're hands off. We've kind of opened this concept based on having, um, you know, with all the everything that's going on with COVID and whatnot uh, and uncertainty, we wanted to have something that was, uh, you know, low overhead um, that still was able to put out a quality product. So we've been doing that and it's been very well received. And uh, I also have Chef Kenny Brands, um, uh, which we have, uh, there's a lot of different things rolled up into that, but we have, uh, a, I have my, my spice blends that I sell on Amazon, um, as well as my website, chefkennygilbert.com. Uh, we have five spices that we feature, um, and, uh, they come with, uh, in the gift set, it comes with recipe cards and a nice little gift box. Um, you can also buy individually uh, and buy bulk um, by way of the website. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time, and we're getting ready to launch uh, our sa- sauce line as well. That should be coming out by the end of January. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So, so, you're, so you're not busy at all. You're, you're, <laughs> you're just kind of bored. Um, no, that's great. So we'll get into the, the, the retail line in a minute. But I want to dig into first um, the inspiration between combining fried chicken, this, like, southern classic staple with champagne. And I presume sparkling wine. I, I presume you're not a champagne purist. Maybe you are, though. Yeah. Um, so what's the inspiration behind that? How did that come to be? Is that a... I don't know, a cultural thing, or is it just like, hey, I love champagne, I love chicken, they go well together? I mean, because the sweet and the salty do go well together. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, we do offer um, uh, sparkling as well. Um, so we're not just exclusive to champagne, because I don't think everyone will be able to necessarily afford to do that every day. <laughs> um, but uh, we, have, we have everything in between. We, we highlight champagne cocktails. Uh, uh, and uh, ultimately, the idea is we... I was featured doing an event down at the South Beach Food and Wine Festival um, a number of years ago. Um, and their event uh, was a part of a number of events, but the one event that I was a part of was called Chicken Coop. 
it was a uh, fried chicken uh, and, uh, you know, a champagne kind of event. Um, so anyone that loves fried chicken, they love champagne, they go well together, you know, the, uh, the bubbles and, you know, whether you get a, a, a brute or, or, or a demi-sec or, or something like that, it complements the chicken based on spice levels and whatnot. So anyway, I was highlighted there. Uh, we did a really cool, um, hot chicken sandwich, um, and everyone loved it. I remember my wife saying at the time, said, oh, we need to bring something like this back to Jacksonville because there's nothing like that. You know, it'd be great to be able to have different versions and different concepts. Um, so at the time, we were running modern and traditional southern barbecue, southern and barbecue restaurants, uh, which had fried chicken, which is the reason why we were invited to do that event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since I've closed those restaurants, um, when I was anticipating moving to uh, another state and city to open another concept, pre-pandemic, um, we were talking about, you know, when I was stuck at the house cooking uh, meals, uh, posting on social media, like, you know, during this crazy time that we were all quarantined uh, for the most part, uh, you know, we, my wife was like, oh, we should probably try to do that concept. And uh, but I remember, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the year, you know, I was just doing all this different meals and different things. And then at one point I was doing fried chicken and biscuits. One particular Saturday, we sold like 80 orders. Um, and then what really put the the icing on the cake was, um, you know, I've done meals, you know, for the holidays, cooking for Oprah Winfrey um, since 2014. And uh, she happened to call me uh, last year um, and was like, Hey, Kenny, we were just, you know, wanted to check in and say, Hey, see how you're doing and everything. But I need you to settle a bet for me. You know, it was a bet when she actually, uh, actually first had my fried chicken and biscuits, uh, sandwich. And, yeah. and it happened to be in Maui. We we're cooking for some special VIP guests. And it was the first time that she had had at that point. But she was, she, there was a bet between her, you know, her and, uh, Kirby and Will, uh, Gail's uh, kids. And, um, and so I settled the bet. And then when I hung up the phone, I looked. I looked at my wife. I said, uh, "We're opening a fried chicken and biscuit concert." <laughs> Super <laughs> Sunday, a day so big we can't legally say the name to celebrate football's biggest day. Pavone Marketing Group created Spot Bowl, a supersized Super Bowl commercial bowl. Check out the ad lineup and vote for your favorites at SpotBowl.com. That was kind of like that was kind of like check uh, any any kind of doubt of what concept we should be doing. That was that was put in the universe, and so we we uh, confirmed that. So we sat around looking for names, uh, thinking about names for the concept, and you know, so I ended up coming up with Silkies um, because I wanted it kind of uh, just be a vibe, you know. One, they're like, oh, this like sounds like a Silky Smooth, but Silky is actually our kind of our mascot. It's a, a, a Silky is a Silky is a type of chicken. Um, that's a native to, to China. It's a black pigment chicken and um, used for a lot of soups and different dishes. And uh, and it's a really beautiful bird, very flamboyant looking, beautiful f- feathers. So, yeah, a lot of plumage, very uh, yeah. fluffy, o- almost looks like a pom pom walking around. <laughs> exactly. So, our mascot on the wall has like a saying that says, Bring on the bubbly. And um, she has like a, a diamond headset. Um, and then kind of like a, a, a pearl necklace with a ruby on it. So it was kind of like a whole whole character. So we really wanted to focus in on uh, ladies coming in to 
uh, you know, have a girl's night out, um, you know, have some fun or it could be a cool date night um, or, you know, a meeting spot for, meet, you know, different things. So we want to have it where it have a good masculine as well as a feminine feel. And so we highlight these, you know, champagne cocktails to complement the uh, the chicken uh, sandwiches that we do. And uh, we came up with some really cool names that 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 we feel like that the ladies said, "Oh wow, that sounds really cool!" Like I want to have that as a drink, you know? Yeah, the, the vibe to me seems um, <clears throat> like Andre three thousand. Sorry, from Atlanta, so you're going to get the Atlanta references. Yeah, um, Andre yeah. three thousand from like the uh, that that split album that they did that got so popular. You know, he was yeah. always sort of like dapper and sort of a bit of a dandy look. You know, so it's yeah. almost like bring on the bubbly, sir. Yeah, um, yeah quite lovely. Sure. So, what is in, in your opinion? Well, first of all, the, the debt or the bet um, for Oprah was it that you make the best fried chicken sandwich in the world? But what was the bet? Oh, there was the the, the bet was when she actually first consumed the chicken and biscuit. Because when I one of the first times I made the biscuits, it was uh, um, I, I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017, um, and it was a jalapeno cheddar biscuit. And, um, it was, it was a part of our, um, our, uh, New Year's day, uh, brunch. Mm. And, and I remember she, um, was walking through the buffet and, uh, d- you know, doing her narration of what she usually does for the holidays, you know, that she posts on Instagram. And then she came by and picked up the biscuit and was like, oh, and these jalapeno cheddar biscuits. But not today. And she was like, Weight Watchers love you. And she was like, <laughs> she put it down. And she was, uh, you know, she was, you know, during the holidays, she's always, um, you know, enjoys everything, but is always very conscious about, you know, her, you know, what she consumes and whatnot. And I think that time she wanted to uh, do something special because I think that's when she ended up having a speech for the Oscars, um, mm-hmm. like shortly thereafter. And, uh, and so she was, you know, very, very focused, even more so, um, at that moment, because I think she was getting a lifetime achievement award or something like that right. uh, at the time. So, so um, uh, we'll get into the fried chicken in a minute, but Oprah's not the first celebrity that you've had a brush with. And um, the other one that I'm referencing, well, you, you beat him. And that's that's a very hard thing to do, and that's uh, Mr. Bobby Flay. So you, oh, yeah. you beat him at his own game. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, Bobby Flay has a show. It's called Beat Bobby Flay, and uh, chefs compete to um, compete against him. So the first two chefs compete against themselves uh, to get to that stage, and then whoever wins that round goes on to beat Bobby Flay with their own dish. So, um, for instance. You know, if you're really good at cooking lasagna, you challenge Bobby to make a lasagna that's better. And then there's three, quote unquote, unbiased judges that uh, blind taste test and award the winner. And honestly, I think I've maybe seen one episode. um, I I don't watch it religiously where someone's won. Um, So that's quite an achievement. I think the win ratio, if I had to guess, is like maybe like 5% of people win. Um, And this is Bobby making stuff that he doesn't normally make. So I've seen exotic things like paella and and things like that, that he just is out of his comfort zone. So one, what did you challenge him with? And two, how the hell did that feel? (laughs) Um, I challenged him with um, uh, chicken and dumplings. Mm. Um, So I had a version of chicken and dumplings that was, you know, not super... um, 
traditional, um, but it was, you know, when you get it, you know, you, it's kind of like that warm hug you get from grandma um, yeah. when, you, when you consume it. Um, and it has some other influences into it. Um, you know, like I had like pimento cheese nudie uh, with the dumplings that I made. Um, you know, I pureed the vegetables in to make the sauce so that it didn't have as much fat in it. Um, and there was a lot of nice roasted vegetables uh, that complemented it so that it was this nice soup of dumplings and chicken, but also had a nice roasted vegetable with it. So um, very herbaceous. So, yeah, it felt amazing to beat him. Um, he yeah. ended up doing um, something with like a sweet potato spatzel uh, was his version of dumplings. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, I think if he had pulled off the, the, the sweet potato um, spatzel properly, um, that he could have had a chance because those are dumplings. Um, right. They had the right sauce ratio. I don't know. I didn't taste it. I didn't really see it. I saw it, what everyone else saw, like on TV. But um, you know that you know the fact that he went that route, um, you know, just shows his diversity and, and, and culinary ability. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I'd be a little upset that I didn't get to taste it. You know, win, win or lose, I'd be like, no, no, no. I want to taste what he made. <laughs> like, yeah, no. The, the, the production is uh, is on a tight <laughs> schedule. That would be a cool part of the show is that you get a chance to taste each other's food. Yeah, um, that'd be a nice little upgrade to the to the show for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause I mean, could you imagine like if you, let's say he won and you taste it and you're like, what? This is garbage. What? Like, you know, like the, yeah, the energy. Know, <laughs> you're, you're right. You're hundred percent. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, on top chef, you know, like you were able to, you know, we were able to taste each other's food. Sometimes like when the cameras were off, we would go around and try certain things or when we were cooking, uh, you can just tell that someone else had made something really, really uh, special um, that mm-hmm. was uniquely, either uniquely different or it was super, super traditional. Um, you know, but the, the the perception of the of the of the, of the judge um, and their palate and what they like to eat, there's there are all those different variables that are in there. Um, uh, you know, if you're cooking for Padma. You know, it's like it better come with a lot of flavor and better be balanced because coming from her her roots, you know, that's how she's used to eating, you know, um, and if she doesn't understand a cuisine or maybe it hasn't had it, then she's going to still look for balance and base it in all those areas, whether she knows about deep rooted Southern food or Italian, you know? Right. Yeah. So you well, and, and so we had uh, chef Scott Cotton on a, a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's another example. Like I, you know, I had a little bit of a joke of a question there, like talk to me about red onions because notoriously, you know, on chopped, for instance, you'll see mm-hmm. people take red onions and just put them on top of something. And every time he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like you got to yeah. do something with these cause it's too powerful. And, um, and then same thing, like if you're cooking for chef Scott Connett and you're going to bring pasta, you better, better bring it. You better bring some really good pasta and don't yeah. mess it up. Yeah, uh, sure. So yeah, you really do have to cook for the chef uh, for the, uh, the, the judges, like you said. So we've just, we've just, uh, dropped some serious names in the business. I think a big question for up and coming chefs, uh, that may be listening is how, how did you get here? How do you get to the point where Oprah Winfrey is calling you on the phone? I mean, she calls me all the time, of course, but, you know, for other people. Um, you know, I think what ends up happening is um, 
I think it's with the energy you put out in the universe. You know, I really, I really believe that. I think that uh, whatever your goals are um, professionally, um, you don't necessarily look for like, oh, I want to cook for these people. I want to do this or that. You look at, hey, I want to be the best I can be in my profession um, and be good at what I do in my wheelhouse um, because everyone, every, every, every chef is an artist. You know, it's like rating paintings, you know, from this famous artist to this famous artist. They're different perspectives. It's who's to say who's a better artist. You know, um, you can say that you like this style versus this style. And I think that for me, the way it started was me and my career going to culinary school, you know, even going back to um, going to home ec in seventh and eighth grade mm-hmm. and having that that in, you know instilled in me and then going to every program in high school um and then getting working for the ritz carlton company you know learning that um i'm, I'm on a meeting um sorry um yeah uh so i i i basically worked you know, my way up through the Ritz Carlton Company, worked at a very high level, you know, running five down and four star restaurants uh, for several years, uh, being a very young chef doing it uh, and traveling around the country and around the world uh, gave me exposure. Um, and the Ritz Carlton was a platform for me to start that. So when you're cooking at a high level for the top five percent, you know, top five, 10 percent. Right. It's it's. um you know, you're you're already at a certain point where, you know, you're going to be interacting with certain levels of people um, and you're not thinking about it. You're just like, well, I'm just passionately cooking what I want uh, and what I'm learning about and sharing that. And, and, and then I think the other part of it is uh, relationships with your you know, the people that you're meeting around the world. Uh, my friend, um, Sonny Sweetman, you know, right when I became chef in 1996 of the grill room, which is a five diamond four star restaurant at the Ritz Carlton in the Island, uh, Sonny had moved down from Baltimore. Um, he was becoming the chef of the cafe and they're, they were doing a full remodel. Um, and they reconstituted it called Cafe 4750, uh, where he basically, basically introduced new recipes and concept for this restaurant. Uh, when he first arrived, there weren't any hotel rooms available. Um, things like that. And um, so I basically invited him to my home, basically, you know, let him sleep at my home. I fed him, you know, gave him what he needed until he, he was able to get his own place, um, you know, in a hotel room until he was able to move stuff coming out from Baltimore, whatever. So at the end of the day, we ended up, um, you know, breaking bread and building a relationship. And he, you know, like fast forward to now, you know, over the last several years, he was working out in L.A., you know, working at the Hotel Bel Air. Uh, Miss Winfrey happened to come in to come uh, have some tea with some some of the girls um, or some of her friends. He ended up making the tea for her. he met he met met her at that point. He mm-hmm. started cooking for, her, uh, you know, basically at the hotel and whatnot. And then they offered him a job. Once oh, wow. he got that job offer. He then called me and said, hey, Kenny, you know, you would not believe it. Um, I just took a new job as a private chef for Oprah Winfrey. He said, I was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, man. And then he said, "Then he said, uh, um, you know, she likes to have, you know, it's very important for her to have good people around her. And I know we're going to be doing a lot of cool events. And I would love for you to, 
be a part of this journey with me um, is help me out and do events and stuff like that whenever I call upon you or whatever, when I need your help. And I said, man, I got you, no problem. And it started like literally doing, I was invited to a party um, for, uh, I think the, the, her property where she, you know, where she bought a, you know, promised land. She did a, a mm-hmm. special 80th birthday party for the, the person she bought the home from. And, um, I was invited to come down to help run the event and execute the event with Sonny and some other chefs. And, um, uh, that's the first time I kind of somewhat met her. Um, that was like the earlier part of 2014. And then, I was invited to come out to cook for the holidays for Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas and New Year's. And um, so I did it. And then I cooked for the Selma movie premiere. Um, So like literally within from 2014, I I literally did uh, two like two like two very high level events. Um, And then I cooked for like three weeks, four weeks for her and her family. Um, And that led into me. Yeah, me making the money that I did, um, and then ultimately opening up my first restaurant um, by my, you know, with my wife. So, so that's how nice. I got there. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's the position you put yourself into where you're working, and then the relationships you build. I mean, I broke bread with a, a, a gentleman back in 1996 that I still remembered. You know, since 2014, like we've always been friends, and he's like, man, I, I would love for you to be on this journey with me. So, really, it was through. I really feel like me opening up my heart and my home just naturally, you know, back in 96 that manifested to our relationship over the years. And then I got the opportunity in 2014. I love it. Yeah. It's so, it's so easy to sit back. And, um, I think a lot of people do this students, you know, or, or, uh, people early on in their careers, they, they see folks like you, they see folks like, um, Danny Meyer or, uh, name the person that is at least, a shooting star or on an upward trajectory and they say i want that yeah. but they don't see all the stuff in between and i think what's interesting is if you look at trajectory from the side view and i think that's how most people look at it you know it, it starts down and then, and then it shoots up and sometimes it's a drastic shoot sometimes it's a little bit longer uh yeah. whatever but they just see upward momentum but if, if you take that that perspective and go over top and look down on that trajectory, I think what you start to see is more of a zigzag, you know, uh, I'm over here, then I'm here, you know, being open to those opportunities, um, not screwing people over, but knowing when it's time to move on and how to do that in a way that is um, amiable and sets the, you know, the person that gave you that chance that you're walking away from up for success after you. Um, And then like you said, creating those relationships and, ultimately breaking bread. It's, it's why, you know, I always say life's most memorable moments happen around food and beverage. And that's the whole thing. If you break bread together, there is a, it's an intimate connection in the right ways and you get to really learn someone. Absolutely. Um, you know, and while all this stuff is going on, you're going through life, life challenges, you know, you know, is it is real. It's bad relationship. Maybe, you know, yeah, you know, there was an, a, a, an auto accident, you had to get a new car. Like there's a million things that go under that. Like, it's not like you're just like, okay, I'm a robot. And I'm, I just been doing this for X amount of time. And I just did it perfectly. You're right. It is a zigzag. And, um, and ultimately, when you're able to, the, the, me and Sonny, like we still do this to this day. When we first started talking in the office, or the office that we shared in that main kitchen, we we talked about food, 
we talked about life. Um, we talked about, you know, training and development of our people wanting to be the best goals that we actually had. And, um, and we still have those same conversations. It always is about a great dish or a concept of something. Then it goes into family and what's going on in our, in our world. Um, it goes into potential opportunities out there from a product or a brand that we think we can, you know, want to, want to manifest into something special. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is always in being like, you know, man, I love you. Thank you very much. And, you know, I'll connect with you in another, you know, in a month or two or something like that, you know, right. and it's like, to, we still been doing that, that same thing since 96. And I do that with other chefs and other friends as well. And that's why, you know, like when someone needs some, something, we know we can call on each other at any given time and we'll make it happen, whether it be a phone call, whether it be flying out there to do the event or whatever it takes. And right. uh, so, yeah, for sure. It's great to find those people that, um, although in a sense you compete because you're, you're in the same industry, but I've always been a proponent of a rising tide. You know, you know, you don't need to sink ships to make yours float better. You just need to focus on your ship and then also help others out where you can. Um, so let's move from breaking bread to breaking, uh, baking, uh, breaking biscuits. Um, mm-hmm. so tell me in your opinion, what makes a top notch, fantastic fried chicken, and then we'll do the same for biscuits. Like, what is it? Is it the crunch? Is it the the color? Is it, you know, the type of oil? What are some of the mechanics without giving away Kenny's secret sauce? Um, I think it's, you know, ultimately it's starting off with a good product. You know, it's the chicken itself. Um, and then from there it goes into what, what, are you, what are you trying to achieve out of this chicken? You know, like, are, are you, you know, what is your theme? Is it? Korean? Is it classic Southern? Is it double fried crispy? Um, is it, you know, naked, you know, um, is it breaded? You know, what, like, what are you trying to achieve out of it? And then, um, then you maximize in the seasoning and flavor profiles based on that concept. And then, um, you know, I think it's brine, you know, um, it's your philosophy. Are you going to do some kind of brine? Or are you going to do just a buttermilk? kind of deal um like or you just putting the seasoning straight on and then dredging it and then frying it you know my mom used to take her chicken and wash it in the sink and then season it with lorries and garlic powder and lemon pepper and black pepper um onion powder whatever let you know paprika and then she would let it, you know, throw a bunch of flour on it and just kind of let it get tacky in the sink. And then she would get her grease and her cast iron skillet going. And then she would throw a little more flour on there because it basically it created this little batter around it. And then that last little dusting gave it that nice little crunch. And she would fry it up, come around the grease, and then let it sit there. And I would eat it super, as soon as it came out of the grease with some hot sauce. You know, and to me, there's there's some people like a lot of breading. Some people like don't. Some people like it spicy. Like like some people are like original KFC type people, and some are Popeyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're, we'll talk about Popeyes in a second. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then there's and then there's in between. It's like going to get a great Korean fried chicken wing and having that crunch, like like you bit in the glass. You know, it's like. Do you like that version? Um, and then, you know, or do you like Italian? Do you like a, do you like a chicken parm kind of type of fried chicken? I mean, there's, 
uh, you know, so, you know, do you like just panko, you know, like, like a Japanese style? Like there's, uh, there's a million ways to skin a, skin a cat, you know, so to speak, but yeah. So, so for you is mom's chicken still the best? You know what? She doesn't even fry chicken anymore. She hasn't cooked for me since I was like 12. So, oh, man. so oh, yeah, what's going yeah, on? no, it's foul. It's foul. Like I can't even, um, I'm sure if she did, it would be amazing and I would probably yeah. get emotional. But she literally said, well, that's why you're so good at cooking right now, because I stopped and allow you just to do it. I'm like, yeah, OK. Yeah, that's one way of putting it, Mom. <laughs> yeah, some people call that neglect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said Brian and, and I, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to be raw. I have PTSD from the word Brian. So my wife and I were, were going through a renovation of the house. And so we're packing things up. But that's right around Thanksgiving. And for me, Thanksgiving meal, it's. It's, it's my, it's the one like for me, like I, I, I know that for a fact, I, I had an open heart surgery a few years back. Um, and even though it was a high probability of success, there's still that chance. Right. So mm-hmm. what's my last meal? I'm like, mom, I want, you know, I want Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. You know? And so my, my mom, my wife and I, we, we had that. So that's my meal. I love it. And I I'm really good at making it. You know, I've gotten really good at it. Mm-hmm. Well, in the rush, uh, Kenny, I made the worst Turkey in the world. It was so bad. It, it was inedible. My wife's over there trying to eat it. And I'm like, stop acting like it's good. It's not good. You know, like I'm looking at her no. and she's like, it's not, it's not that bad. I'm like, it's that bad. So I think what had happened is ignorantly, I picked up a brined chicken. I mean, a uh, turkey. And I don't think I knew it. Um, now I didn't rebrine it, but olive oil, salt, pepper. I didn't have a turkey bag. I'm a big fan of turkey bags for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like rubber. It was like salted rubber. It was that bad. Anyway, oh, wow. so I don't talk about brining anymore, even though I know it's a good thing to do in a certain style that if you want it. But man, I that brine got me. Um, oh, man. <laughs> it was the saddest thing ever. Um, and then, of course, you know, Christmas, we didn't get the meal because of COVID and everyone got omicron and blah 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 so uh, i think i might have to do a real like when i get back in my house hopefully in june maybe may hopefully may my first order of business in my kitchen is to reapproach the thanksgiving that i messed up and just do it right you know (laughs) come out swinging um so all right back to you more importantly Mm. um (laughs) so you opened silkies in the pandemic how how did it do i mean i presume it did okay yeah it didn't i mean um my landlord um we really set up a good um you know rent um kind of uh you know budget and um plan so like it was both we're both in a winning situation is a percentage-based rent um so if we do well he does well you know the first year uh we really he really put it at a scale that was able to help me uh save money um to be able to reinvest in the business um also be able to save money throughout the year um because we didn't know what's going on i mean we i knew that for you know two three years if not a little bit longer that we're going to have uh, some drop off in terms of business, and and it's hard enough to find people to come to drive to Springfield anyway, because it's like an old spot that it was original old school Jacksonville, and mm. one, you know it's been going through a renovation phase, and a lot of beautiful homes are being built here or remodeled. But at one point it was the hood, you know, um, and uh, and now it's it's really a prominent uh, neighborhood 
in the area, but some people that are old Jacksonville, they they still think of it as how it was back in the day. Um, so there's that stigma to fight. Um, but ultimately, you know, we we were able to open up something that was based on just a couple people cooking, uh, me and my sous chef at the time, um, and a, ca- a couple cashiers slash food runners. Mm-hmm. And everything disposable, trays with paper, um, but being able to put out food that was uh, that looked great, um, well presented, but didn't have to be on bone china, you know. Um, and uh, you know, we don't have a dishwasher. You know, all glasses are hand washed. You know, that we yeah, nice. And um, but everything else is disposable. Um, Three bay pot sink. There's not even a dishwasher in the kitchen. Wow. So um, for us to be able to execute what we do just by hand washing and cleaning. Um, keeping the place clean and whatnot is uh, it, it helps everything to scale. Full service restaurants like scare the hell out of me now in this climate because yeah. you have to have a, a hostess, you have to have you know the the um, you know a, a bartender. You have a full bar. Uh, they're gonna have, to have a back a back uh, bar you know uh, person. You're gonna have to have food runners. You gotta have dishwashers and pot washers and you, and actually you know you're and a wait staff that's actually good and a GM. Yeah, 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 yeah keep well, going. Yeah, all yeah. that in between, and it's it's a lot. Whereas I run this business with uh, my cashiers, a sous chef. Um, my cashier slash runners, you know, I pay them a good hourly rate. We pull the tips. They get 80% of those tips. Um, the 20 other 20% goes to the, the dishwashers and the cooks. Um, every, everyone eats and makes good money. Um, and they get bonus incentives based on, um, how well the place is looking is clean and whatnot. I basically can at any given time just say like Christmas, I, you know, after he's getting back for cooking from his Winfrey, I, you know, I bought him nice gifts, which we plan on having our Christmas party after the fact, but you know, I put on their paychecks, here's extra money in a Merry Christmas, you know, like, yeah. um, so, uh, the keep it to scale and still be able to put out, we don't have to do a million covers to do financially well. Like we want to do as much as we possibly can, but I'm also not trying to kill us. You know, we're closed Sundays sure. and Mondays, um, you know, uh, Tuesday through Thursday, we're 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. and then Friday and Saturday at 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. We're not just open all day, every day, just because, I mean, I realized during the pandemic that uh, when I was at home, people had to pick up the food like between four and six o'clock from my house. You know what I mean? Uh, I was caretaking for my father-in-law who was 97. So it's like I'm walking out with bags and a mask and gloves and dropping off food on their car. And they knew that they had to put their orders in, you know, you know, before three, you know, um, preferably earlier. Um, they had to send me money, cash up or Venmo or whatever. And uh, then they had to pick up between four and six. They had to te- I trained them. They, they knew that between, you know, this is what they had to do in order to get the food. And they did it and people did it weekly, you know, like multiple times a week. And um, so I I realized that if you communicate the process, people will follow that process, you know. So they ended up having to follow the process in order to get the food. So um, it worked out for me and it worked out for them. If they were running late, they were able to communicate. And so that translated into not having to be open seven days a week you know, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day just because you're trying to maximize, you know, because you, the building you pay rent on, you're paying mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, 365. Right. So 
Um, I looked at it as how can I also generate revenue and other opportunities within this space to uh, that basically fits into our wheelhouse of our what we're trying to achieve in this in the building without killing ourselves. Right. So is that what led to the, the, the rubs and the forthcoming sauces then? So, no, the rubs have been going on for since 2010. Okay. Um, you know, we made our Ogre's Favorite Things list in 2020. Nice. Um, and, uh, and then from there, uh, but I've been working on it, using these spices in my restaurants for years. Um, we just, I was able to get it into Amazon. Uh, so once I got that in, then I saw that the, the, the revenue potential is, I was like, okay, well, I need to try to get these out even further. So then, uh, so right now, I, like, I just hired an agent uh, that's going to be going out there and sell, you know, looking at getting products into, uh, you know, the Sam's and uh, yep. the Fresh Markers and Whole Foods and stuff like that. Um, same thing with the sauces when they launch. You know, I've been doing all this stuff from, I, I've been manifesting this since I was a little kid, cooking next to my dad doing barbecue. Um, to have my own sauces and spices and finally being able to get it into a bottle and selling it, um, you know, and people knowing that they want to buy, you know, I know that the people want to buy it because they bought it throughout the restaurants. Just, Hey, can I get a pint of that sauce? I'm going back to Memphis and I want to take that barbecue sauce with me, whatever, you know, um, that's, uh, you know, I feel good about it. So, uh, I've been, I've been talking about this for a long time and, you know, uh, we're going to continue to add to the to that, and and that that's the goal. The goal with that is to create generational uh, wealth, right? Of course, like, like McCormick, they McCormick, uh, you know Hilton, you know Walmart. I mean, these are all places. These are these are names of these families, right? And they started something, and then the entire family basically has been cultivated and grown up in the business. So it all stays within the family. And I'm trying to look at to do the same thing. If I could put something out there with my name, and people are used to serving, you know, using this food, these spices or rubs or sauces or whatever um, in their home, and their kids have developed palates based on enjoying those items then guess what? When those kids get older, they're like, oh, no, honey, I, I have to have Chef Kenny's Raging Cajun Spice when I do my fried catfish, or I have to have the cinnamon coffee rub when we do brisket. So as long as I'm around and even beyond me, the goal is that this product is still going to be there because kids, you know, generation after generation, the same way that I'm automatically going to have Lori's and lemon pepper, McCormick lemon pepper and whatever in my cabinet, you know, like as a standard, because that's the flavors I remember my mom cooking with and my dad, then, you know, it's the same way. So, yeah, for, for, for me and my family, it's uh Badia's uh, Saison Completa. It's okay. basic off the shelf. It's nothing. Ma- I mean, it is magical to me, but like, yeah. it's like, I have to have that if I'm making, you know, Puerto Rican food, that, that that's the thing. You know, my, yeah, my wife's Mexican American, and so like I have all the Vidia spices. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Every, you have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> it's sacrilege if you don't. You'll be in the doghouse. I promise. Yeah. Um, it, we we did just have um a horrible tragedy happen this year in my family. Um, every year, my cousins and if I'm back in Pennsylvania, I participate. But my cousins have uh, a competition for what's called uh, coquito. So coquito is a Puerto Rican 
holiday drink that's basically coconut eggnog. Yeah. Um, but there's many different recipes, yada, yada. And so they do every individual brings their coquito. They put it out and they do blind taste testing. Like you don't know whose it is. And, oh, wow. and then you vote. Well, this year, the newest addition to our family, my cousin's wife, um, she won. But she's Guatemalan. So this is a problem because <laughs> you're, you're not even Puerto Rican and, and you just showed up and, and dropped the hammer on us. So nice. I think next Christmas there's a, there's a storm of brewing that we have to reclaim, you know, in the name of the family, of course. So uh, that's, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> but um, anyway, two, two last questions. Um, one is, I like to do a final meal. Like if it's your final meal on earth and I do want to do that one, but I think before that I would love to know what is your favorite kind of fried chicken and what is the champagne that you prefer to go with it or sparkling? Yeah. You know, um, of course I love my fried chicken. Uh, you know, it's it, the way that we brine it. Um, the seasoning combinations is, is juicy. It's flavorful. Um, you know, it's great. It's, it's, I think it's, it's amazing. I, I love eating other people's fried chicken just to see their perspective and what they like, like about it. Uh, just so I can have a, an idea. Um, but like, I like spicy, so I like a good hot chicken, but I like a classic, you know, like old school Southern fried chicken, but I love all the different types of cultures too. Like, you know, the way that they do a, a fried chicken. So like it kind of depends on what I'm in the mood I'm in based on what I, the culture that I'm looking to enjoy, whether it's Thai or, you know, Italian or something like that. Um, but if it is a personal preference, you know, classic Southern fried chicken, I like a, I like it spicy. Uh, so there's, you know, more, you know, spices that, that, that add heat. Um, I, I enjoy that. Um, and in terms of bubbles, um, you know, I, I drink a lot of different, um, you know, sparklings and champagnes mm -hmm. and whatnot, you know, probably Dom Perignon and, uh, Piper Heisek, uh, Blue Clicquot. Um, I love brutes. Um, mm -hmm. I love rosés, brute rosés. Um, so like any, any good bubbles, like, like high quality champagne, um, I really enjoy, um, you know, like I said, Dom Perignon, Blue Clicquot, uh, you know, Piper Isaac, um, you know, I love, I love all those, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, that's great. So, um, I, I forgot that I mentioned that we'd come back to this, but before we close this up, hot takes on a uh, Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. I haven't had it, man. I didn't have it either. I was kind of adverse because of all the hype and I was driving down to visit my wife who was, uh, working on a production in New Orleans and Popeye's was the only option. I was alone in the car except for my dog, and we're just sitting there. I opened it up, skeptical as all hell, because it's fast food, right? I mean, look, there's a time and place, and I'm not knocking it. I took a bite, and I think I literally out loud to myself said, shit, it, it was good. <laughs> it was so good. Um, right. they, they, got, they, they got great fried chicken. I mean, they, for their concept, I, I, if I, if I plan on going to eat fried chicken somewhere like and it's fast or whatever, then I'm making a, a beeline to, to Popeye's, oh, I mean, right. you know, so that's huge. Yeah, you know, for sure. But 
you know, I don't eat fried chicken like that either. You know, like, um, you know, like our chicken and biscuits are like amazing, you know, um, whether it's our boneless, uh, breasts or our boneless skin or boneless skinless thigh that's smoky. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do a jerk chicken uh, thigh, uh, we do a roasted chicken salad, we do garlic chicken, all different. And with the different biscuit combinations we have, I think, you know, it's really unmatched out there. I think it's uh, it's they're very unique. You can, you can come in and get a classic, just fried chicken breast with a buttermilk biscuit with some cane syrup butter. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can go into the route of our flavor bomb, you know, smoky fried thigh and truffle smoked Gouda uh, biscuits with chives and toss in our flavor bomb sauce. That's the one we do for Oprah Winfrey. Um, oh, man. It's, it's a sweet heat that's amazing. We have hot. We had, we had Caribbean. We had Korean. So we we basically hit all different cultures so that basically whatever your vibe is, if you're like, man, I, want, I really want some Asian flavors, and then you're able to try the, the Korean, which is tossing the gochujang honey with Benny seeds, and there's kimchi watermelon rind oh, wow. uh, as, a, as, a, as the pickle that complements it. I mean, it's they're, they're all very well themed. It's not just... Uh, let me just do this one biscuit and right. put a bunch of chicken on it. It's like they're matched up. Like we have one is a, a, ch- a chicken tikka biscuit. I mm. literally have these Indian spices that we put into um, our dredge. We we do a breast when it comes out. It's uh, it's fresh cucumber. We do a um, a lot of fresh cilantro or a little riata. Um, and there's a chicken tikka masala sauce that's over it. So. Uh, they get this, and it's on a biscuit that has these Indian spices in the biscuit as well. So oh, nice. when you take a bite, it's all things of like the best chicken tikka masala you've ever had in your life. That actually is a biscuit, chicken and biscuit. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think maybe the most important question I have is when are you coming to Atlanta? <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, the the goal would be to. I need to be able to get this concept where it's totally dialed in, you know, get some people to come in to, to check it out. Um, I would love to be able to open it in Atlanta. I think we could open it in Atlanta and have like a pretty nice size spot that everyone goes to that one location. Yeah. It would just be huge booming and to have expand the bar because we'd be able to have full liquor, have a, a slightly larger space, you know, probably like something like, uh, you know, 250, 300 seats. Um, yep. re- really have like kind of like your, you know, theme where you can kind of almost have like brunch every day and um and have these options and the girls nights out and champagne cocktails and having sitting areas with you know for you know with social media you take pictures and stuff like that like that's right i would love to be able to open up something like that um in atlanta because i think then everyone around the country would come to it you know i, I wouldn't absolutely open, i wouldn't even want to open them to every city i want to be able to open up like literally in a, in a major city that basically we i know will support it yeah, Atlanta definitely would. We'd love to have you. Um, not not to be an advocate or salesperson for the city, but um, I don't know when I'm getting sh- uh, to uh, uh, Jacksonville anytime soon. So yeah. you have my mouth watering. So, Kenny, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for uh, sharing everything that you shared. Uh, keep up the amazing work, and uh, I do hope I get to experience it sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. If you love what we've served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com.
Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.